Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, the Eric Erickson Show nationwide, as I have been doing since so many of my affiliates are in the state of Georgia. I decided, you know, third hour of the program, I've said enough. I'll let these politicians come in and take over for an hour. Surely politicians know how to talk or or would-be ones. I've invited all the Georgia Senate candidates for the Republican side. There's no reason to invite Raphael Warnock on. We all know where he stands. He's the incumbent. I've invited all the Republicans. All but one have taken me up on the offer. Next Monday, Georgia's Ag Commissioner Gary Black joins me. Kelvin King and Josh Clark were last week. Joining me in studio now is one of the other candidates, Latham Sadler. How are you? I'm great, Eric. Thank you so much for having me on. So yeah, you got a full hour here to, to make your case, and I really want to start where I've started with everybody. Biography, who are you? Yes, sir. So I'm Latham Sadler. I'm a, I'm a proud native son of the state. I was born in Atlanta, but my mother's from a small town in southwest Georgia called Bainbridge. Uh, I'm a proud husband to my wife, Melissa, and our two young boys, Bubba and Marshall. Bubba just turned five last week, and Marshall just turned two last month. Went to the University of Georgia, go dogs. Uh, finally got that national championship. And uh, Eric, while I was there, 9-11 happened. And obviously that changed all of our lives forever. Uh, but in my case, I didn't have any plans to join the military till that day and made up my mind that I wanted to serve as a Navy SEAL officer. Had no idea what the heck I was getting myself into and met a retired Navy SEAL captain who I shared my plans with. And he, he proceeded to tell me I didn't have a blank chance of getting selected. <laughs> <laughs> so it led me on a really kind of long and interesting journey where I spent the majority of my 20s trying to get there. So I went to Georgia Tech for a, a master's in international affairs, became fluent in Farsi and Dari, the languages they speak in Iran, Afghanistan, parts of Tajikistan, lived in the region uh, while I was in school for a full academic year, so 10 months backpacked through all of northern Afghanistan, and then came home. And six years after that conversation with that SEAL, put in my application to the Navy and finally got selected. And Eric, I was 29 years old when I was out in Coronado, California in SEAL training, and I was the grandpa of my class. I was the oldest officer. (laughs) Wow. I was the only Georgia boy. And, you know, I tell folks it really was a miracle I made it at that age. I broke my foot in what's called Hell Week. Being a Georgia boy, I was not a natural in the water, but you know, God led me through, and I had a career that I could have never dreamed of. I, I, I deployed to Iraq and Afghanistan, and then in 2016, uh, I was out on some presidentially approved special missions. The election happened, and uh, President Trump 
gets to the White House, and I received orders to come up to his White House to serve as the director for intelligence programs, managing the black ops portfolio. And I can tell you, every day we were up there, we, we put our adversaries on their heels where they belong. They feared us. They respected us. Obviously, that's not the case today. Uh, and frankly, if I had it my way, I'd still be running and gunning in the SEAL teams. It was my <laughs> dream job. I mean, truly, it always will be my dream job. But transitioned out for pretty unique family reasons. I've got a twin brother named Ashby who has Down syndrome, who is a total stud. He's my hero, and he lives with my parents, and my folks aren't getting any younger. In fact, my dad had some health issues when I was in the teams. He's doing better now, thank God. But it woke me up to the fact that my parents aren't going to be around forever to take care of Ashby. So he's going to come live with Melissa and me and the boys. And so I walked away from the dream job after eight years on active duty. And interestingly enough, they kept me on board the White House uh, now as a civilian, as a White House fellow, working on domestic policy issues. So uh, I was part of the team that got the First Step Act passed, the Bipartisan Criminal Justice Reform Bill. Really amazing experience. It was neat to be a part of one of the biggest policy achievements for the Trump administration. After two and a half years in the White House, we were itching to come home to Georgia to raise our boys. I joined the leadership team of Synovus Bank as their chief of staff, and uh, life was pretty darn good. I was home more as a husband and as a father, making a decent living for the first time, and then 2020 happens, and it starts becoming hip and cool for our youth to hate the country. Constitution just gets tossed out the window. Same with rule of law. And I started feeling a very similar conviction the way I felt after 9-11 to do something about it. Didn't know what that was. Then we, of course, all know what happened. Next, we lose our two U.S. Senate seats and folks started reaching out to me saying, Latham, it's time for you to step up. You need, you need to get in this race against Raphael Warnock. Uh, we need somebody different like you. We need a next generation leader in the Senate. And, you know, a number of folks pointed out to me, Eric, that our state has a proud tradition of having a national security icon in the United States Senate, all the way back to Richard B. Russell. We had Sam Nunn. We had Johnny. We had Saxby. And now for the first time since World War II, we don't have a senator on the Armed Services Committee from our state, which, of course, as you know, is a huge deal given our mm -hmm. military presence here. So we started exploring it, prayed over it, and uh, jumped in on April 15th of, of last year, launched on Brett Baer. Twitter shut me down before I even finished my interview. That's, that's a real thing. <laughs> I remember that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and here we are. Uh, on the on the home stretch, and we're we're fired up to win this thing. Launching on tax day, no less. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's so right. I, I I I get the call to service, um, but what's it like on the campaign trail to have two small kids? Uh, your wife's at home. You, you've been in Washington. You're coming back. You're trying to resettle. You've started this job at Sonovas, and all of a sudden, you're hitting the campaign trail. Absolutely. Well, I mean, for starters, I tell folks all the time, Eric, I would never be doing this if it wasn't for two things. If, if things weren't so dire for this country right now, and I've had, a, I've had a glimpse that a lot of people don't get, and it's kind of a blessing and a curse, but I mean, where I was perched at the White House, I received every briefing you can get in the Situation Room about what our adversaries are doing to take us down uh, well outside the Middle East. And the things that I learned about China have made me an insomniac. Uh, we've got to get our act together. They're hungry and focused and eager to knock us off the block. And we're in la-la land in this nation right now, and I feel a responsibility to wake people up to that. So number one, if things weren't so dire right now between that and the way we're behaving here at home, and then number two, if I wasn't a father. I mean, I'm watching my boy's future just slip away right before our eyes, and I refuse to let my children's and your children's and other people's children's future be snatched up from under them 
from an adversary from without who I've seen firsthand or an adversary here from within that's trying to take our country down the river of socialism. So this is, this is truly a mission. I mean, people usually get into politics for opportunity. This is a mission. And I'm going to fight for my boys and for other people's children. And I'll tell you, as a young parent, it's not easy running right. for statewide office. But, I mean, I, I've got an, an incredible wife and in Melissa with a, with a golden heart. We're built for hardship. I mean, we've been through the Iraq deployment, Afghanistan deployment, and others. And, you know, of course, we do joke all the time. I mean, why not sprinkle on a U.S. Senate campaign to the young parent thing? We don't well. sleep anyway. You yes. Know? I mean, why not? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sleep one day. They, they tell you that you'll eventually catch up. You never actually do. <laughs> you never do because then one day you're like me. Your kids get old enough to drive, and you're up all night thinking, oh, my gosh, are they are they out there oh, okay? Oh, I believe it. I believe it. <laughs> Okay, so now let, let's talk about the, the military aspect of this very specifically because this has now come up with several different people. We don't have an armed services representation. We used to have two in the House. Uh, thanks to Kevin McCarthy, we don't anymore. Uh, just down to one Georgian on the on the House Armed Services Committee in the Senate. Our, we've, we may, we may not, I don't know, have a BRAC come up. We've got multiple military installations around here and no real good representation right now. That's right. And you know with BRAC, I mean, that, that, the way that works is quite simple. If, if you don't have the seat at the table, your, your state is not going to be represented. And so that's where we are right now. And that's obviously concerning for me and should be concerning for every Georgian here. Um, and, you know, our, our state – again, as a proud tradition of, of not just having representation, but having leaders up there. And obviously, I mean, gosh, I, I, sometimes I wonder last year after the election what, what Chuck Schumer was sitting there thinking when he got John Ossoff and Raphael Warnock. He must have been scratching his head thinking to himself, <laughs> what committees do I put these guys in? There's nothing in either one of their backgrounds that relates to one committee in the United States Senate. Right. It's amazing. I mean, so we got to get these guys out of here. Thank God, uh, Raphael Warnock was just you know for this this two years. And tell you what, Eric, I, I cannot wait to get on the debate stage with Raphael Warnock and hold him accountable for the bag of goods that he sold Georgians. He was quite charming in the process. Ran the cute puppy dog ads. I mean, everybody loved right. those ads. But I mean, look at what we got here. I mean, we've we've got a terrorist run Afghanistan. We've got an open southern border. We've got inflation that's through the roof. And the example that I always use is my wife and I are still buying diapers for our youngest. The price of diapers is through the roof. And who does that hurt the most? Lower and middle income Americans, the same folks that Raphael Warnock claims that he cares most about. Well, he's not going to be able to pull wool over our eyes this go, but we've got to have somebody as our nominee on top of this ballot that's going to get up there on the debate stage and hold him accountable for that. And I'm the only guy in my race that can do that. Well, you know, that gets to the next question here that I've asked everybody is, is without detracting from the other people in the primary, I mean, why you and not them? Yeah, well, I, and I appreciate this question. Um, for starters, I'm a proud native son of the state. I, I think we need a true Georgian in this seat. Uh, I've been blessed to have degrees from, from two of our flagship institutions, Georgia and Georgia Tech. But more importantly than that, Eric – uh, I'm the youngest person in this race by far. I'm 39. I'm still barely in my 30s. And we desperately need a next generation leader in the United States Senate. The average age in the Senate is 64 years old. I mean, how's that working out? It's, it's not working out. And, and I'll tell you, I don't mean that to demean. Uh, you know, I, I, I grew up respecting my elders, always have, always will. 
Uh, but we got to get fresh blood up there. And I tell folks all the time, we need leaders up there that are going to have to live out the decisions that they make for the decades to come. And I tell Georgians all across the state, a decision I make in three years as your next United States senator, Lord willing, I'll be on this earth several more decades. But I should have to look every Georgian in the eye 30 years from now with the decision that I make three years from now. And we need more leaders that fall in that category up there that are going to put this nation first, who aren't going to be worried about job security. And so that's one. And then also, you know, it's an interesting race. I'm, I'm the only real America first candidate in this race. And what I mean by that is I'm the only one that served up in the Trump White House for the first two and a half years, advancing the right policy agenda for the country. And I tick through it from my time up there, Eric. We had the strongest economy in a half a century before COVID due to low taxes and low regulation. We actually had energy independence. We took the biggest spotlight in the world and shined it on China. We obliterated ISIS in Iraq. We made real steps towards Middle East peace. We got bipartisan criminal justice reform done. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. So we can all agree that that's the right agenda nationally for, for, for the country. Georgia deserves to have that agenda back in Washington. We're experiencing the opposite of that right now and feeling the effects of that. And Georgia deserves to have a United States senator that actually has the experience at the national level advancing those policies. And I'm the only person in my race that, that, that can make that claim. And I'm, and I'm proud of that experience up there. Now, I got to do some clock management here. We got to go to commercial break. I want to keep talking about that before we move into issues when we come back. I'm also sitting here struggling processing that – God, I've reached the age where people running for the Senate are younger than me, and I'm not sure I like it. <laughs> All right. Uh, I am interviewing Latham Sadler. He joins me in studio this full hour talking about his campaign for the United States Senate. We will be back in a minute. Welcome back. It is Eric Erickson here, the Eric Erickson Show. Joining me in studio this entire hour is Latham Sadler. He's running for the U.S. Senate. There are five people in this race, and we were talking about this during commercial break. A good time to talk about it. You got five other people in the race. We've talked about why you, not them, but in a field particularly where Herschel is so dominant, Herschel Walker, uh, how do you see your path moving forward? Yeah, well, this this is the number one question I receive on the trail. How are you going to beat Herschel? And my answer is simply two things are going to happen. Here in Georgia, we have runoffs. The, the front vote getter has to clear 50 percent. Herschel started in the 80s. He's now polling in the 50s with six of us in the race pulling away at him. He's not going to avoid a runoff. And then that begs the question, who's going to be number two? And Eric, we've been incredibly blessed in our fundraising. We've raised $4 million to date. We've out-fundraised all of the other candidates besides Herschel combined. We're deploying those resources to get my message out there uh, at a rate that I can't do on the ground. So I'm out hustling everybody on the ground all across the state. I mean, I don't even know where I am from one hour to the next (laughs) in this state. Uh, and then we're running our ads and I'm traveling across the state and I got people coming up to me saying, Latham, I love the ads. You're my guy. I'm voting for you. So we're going to be the number two guy in that runoff. And, and Eric, as you know, the number one position in a runoff is cursed in the state of Georgia. It's true. I mean, I share with folks all the time. If a little genie popped up and said, Hey, Latham, you and Herschel are going to this runoff, but you've got the lion's share of the votes coming into it. I'd say, please get the heck out of here. I mean, because that position is cursed. Uh, you look you look at every major race, the number two guy wins. And so interestingly, particularly in, in this runoff, when it's Herschel versus myself, uh, his celebrity all of a sudden becomes my asset because whatever gap I have left, 
and name ID as an outsider to politics is going to vanish overnight. And all eyeballs are going to be on who's this guy that just brought uh, celebrity football player Herschel Walker into runoff. And I think if things were going really well right now as a nation, uh, it would be tough to beat celebrity. But I, but I have yet to meet one person on the trail, Eric, that thinks that these are good times for our country. There's a thirst for real leadership, particularly next generation leadership. And obviously I'm biased, but in that head to head, I'm betting on me. And I mean, candidly, I'm the only guy that can beat Warnock in this race. I mean, I, I just, there's not a pathway for Herschel Walker against Raphael Warnock in November. And, and, and like I just stated, I, I cannot wait to knock him out of that seat. Warnock knows it. And, uh, yeah, he better start packing his bags once we turn the corner here. Now, when we come back, we're going to talk about issues, but I, I got an important issue to talk about you now. You went to Georgia and then to Georgia Tech. I, I mean, you're just you're checking both boxes here. Now, what what happens when the two of them play football together? Who do you root for? Oh, I'm a bulldog, and, and the Tech folks know it. I'm, and and you know, it was. It was in some ways. You got to be careful here because my kid has decided she is going to. She says I'm not applying to any school except Georgia Tech. Hey, well, I mean, look, it's it's a great school. It was great to go there for graduate school, but the real story there is I wanted to go back to Athens for for my master's degree in international affairs. Georgia had a great undergrad program, but their master's program wasn't around yet, Mm -hmm. and so you know, wanting to obviously go in state here, my my other option was the Sam Nunn School at Georgia Tech, and. You know, it was a great it was a great program, and uh, you know I, I felt a responsibility to really learn about the world before going and leading seals overseas uh, to execute foreign policies. So it all worked out. <laughs> yeah, look, I, I had to ask you now. We got about a, a minute and a half here, and and one more question on this: Can you explain? You just you decide to go to Tajikistan and backpack into northern <laughs> Afghanistan. So you weren't a seal at the time, right? That's this right. Was before. How on earth did you make it out of there? I mean, being an American. Yeah, well, gr- great question. I uh, I can grow a, a pretty mean beard. I mean, this is <laughs> this is very nicely groomed, you know. And uh, but but I, I wore the local garb. Uh, we we didn't stay in one place very long, uh, and yeah, it was quite quite the experience. But as you can imagine, it was really unique going there, being on the ground as a civilian, as a graduate student, and then. A couple of years later, going back there with my brothers in the SEAL teams uh, in uniform fighting for America. So uh, that that experience really served me well for the rest of my career. And that's why I had the the, the experiences that I could have never dreamed of. It was all because of, of, of the getting that experience on the front end before the military just, again, led me to a career where I got to serve my country in a way that I could have never imagined. It's a, it really is a heck of a story. Um, I, I always talk about growing up overseas, and, and people always seem to be intrigued by it, but I never backpacked through Afghanistan <laughs> in the, after 9-11. When we come back, I want to talk about issues. I know we've talked about uh, committees, Armed Services Committee, but the issue that you is your number one focus, I want to talk about that. Uh, and then some of the other ancillary issues that I know people care about, from agriculture to the economic divide between rural and urban in Georgia. We'll spend some time on those. I'm in studio right now with Latham Sadler. He's running for the U.S. Senate uh, from Georgia. Give me your website real quick yes so it's lathamsadler.com l-a-t-h-a-m-s-a-d-d-l-e-r.com and please support us to win the country back lathamsadler.com uh when we come back the issues that he's running on you've heard who he is his background and why he's running and how he thinks he can get through the runoff to, to warnock and when we come back the issues that'll compel him the way through the race it is eric erickson here from my flagship station wsb broadcasting nationwide
Hello there. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson. Uh, Charlie, you're listening right now. I'm not doing that. You know what I'm talking about. Now, I am joined in studio by Latham Sadler. He is running for the United States Senate, and he joins me in studio. We've talked about him and why he's running, and now we get to talk about the issues and your number one issue. Before I go into my issues that I care yeah. about, what's your issue? Well, sounds good. Well, just briefly as an overlay, the three tenets of my campaign, Eric, are security, liberty, and prosperity. Security, I'm going to defend our country. Liberty, I'm going to defend our constitution. And prosperity, I'm going to defend the American economy and the American worker. Top two issues within those are the border and China. I mean, we, we, we've got to get serious about uh, securing our southern border. It, this can no longer be a, 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 something that we talk about. We've got to start actioning it, um, especially now that we have a terrorist war in Afghanistan and we've got fentanyl coming over the border from China, killing our youth more than anything else. And, you know, Eric, I've, I've received the briefings in the Situation Room where Border Patrol agents shared with me that the wall actually does work. It is part of the answer in my view. It's not the full solution. But they shared that the wall helps funnel people into certain areas of the southern border so they can focus their resources there. Now, there's also tunneling that can go underneath our wall. Uh, we have technologies right now in this nation that can secure our entire southern border. And the fact that we're not doing it, uh, has, it it's, it's, it's unconscionable to me. I mean, I remind people on the trail when I'm traveling across this state that the official number of undocumented folks in this country right now is 11 million people. The real number is higher than that. But just using the lowball official number of 11 million, that's the exact population of our state here in Georgia. We have just under Gosh, 11 million yeah. people. So that's how many folks we have in this country. We have no idea who they are, what, where they came from, or what they're doing. And that's that's my number one issue up there. And then, of course, as a national security guy, uh, look, the briefings I received in the Situation Room on China have truly made me an insomniac. Uh, for the first time since our country's founding, since the Brits, since the Redcoats, we now have an adversary that's larger than us. They're four times our size. They're far more focused than we are, and they're actually more capable in areas that I became privy to where, that they shouldn't be. And, you know, they view us as a couple hundred year fad mm -hmm. and view themselves as a 5,000 year dynasty and say the 20th century where you all reign supreme, that, that's an outlier in the graph. We're, we're never letting that happen again. And I look around America and it just seems like so many folks think, we just get to wake up every day and be number one as if that's just a default setting. And you and I know that that's not the case. And in the 20th century, we always had United States senators that understood national security and foreign policy, came back and educated the populace on these issues so that we could mobilize, compete, and win. And you just rarely see that today. One, one quick vignette on this issue is when I was at the White House, I, I, I was asked to speak to a bunch of business leaders on foreign policy. And one of them asked me, they said, Latham, you're managing the black ops out of the White House. What on earth keeps you up at night? And I shared with them, the classified stuff certainly keeps me up at night, but you don't even need to see the classified stuff. At that time, China just had a competition at Beijing Institute of Technology of their best and brightest youth to weaponize artificial intelligence against the United States. And they whittled it down from their best and brightest youth to their top 27 boys and their top four girls. And that's what they're singularly focused on for their lives and careers. Meanwhile, right before that, at Google headquarters here in America, there was a walkout, a protest over something called Project Maven, a Department of Defense mm -hmm. AI contract, because our young American engineers didn't want to be associated with, quote unquote, war fighting. The mindset difference between our country and theirs uh, is what keeps me up most at night. And I'm going to do two things in, in, in the Senate right off the bat. Number one, my team laughed at me when I shared this with them, but I said, I'm dead serious. 
one of the first pieces of legislation that I'm going to write is I, I want Chinese goods sold in America to be appropriately labeled. I never want to see made in China again. It always needs to say made in communist China. Because Americans need to understand who we're doing business with. They're at a cold war with us, whether we want to accept that or not. That's a reality. And then number two, where I was perched at the White House, I, I got to see the blood and guts of the CIA and the Pentagon. There's folks doing great work for the nation up there. But those institutions are in dire need of modern-day reform, mm -hmm. similar to the way Sam Nunn did to make sure we won the Cold War. And they're not where they need to be on the China threat. Fascinating, a fascinating observation I had up there, though, is that the president of the United States can't even reform those institutions because they can just outlast a presidency. The one place you can actually do it is in the Senate, on the Armed Services Committee, Select Committee on Intelligence, and the Appropriations Committee because they control the funding and the authorities. So the other thing that I'm going to work towards is requiring that a minimum of 50 percent of the of the military budget and the intelligence community budget be geared towards the China threat. They can divvy up the rest of the threats across the globe however they want, but at least half of it has to be geared towards the China threat. Now, I don't want you to disclose classified information, but since we're talking about this issue, I just have this wild, crazy idea. And it, I, I asked Mike Pompeo about this. He said there may be something to it. Maybe – we're not actually seeing aliens from third dimensions. We might actually be seeing advanced weaponry from countries not our own that are like drone technology as opposed to UFOs descending and ascending above naval ships, maybe. Look, I'll just say that um, our adversaries have capabilities that are more advanced than they should be. Well. There is a presumption, I think, and, and you know, I guess, what, two years ago, China unveiled its first big nuclear aircraft carrier, pom promptly caught on fire. Mm -hmm. And I look at stuff like that and, and the way their their high-speed rail line just topples over in the middle of the night that, that maybe there are aspects of Chinese society because it's command and control and whistleblowers get shot that uh, they're, they're not as competent as we think. But at the same time, when they put their mind to something, maybe there are situations where – we don't realize they're more advanced than us because we have a level of arrogance too. That, that's right. And you, and you never want to underestimate an adversary. And I mean, you, yes, they, they don't have the highest level of, of competence in every field. But I'll tell you, Eric, and you can see it right now with what's going on in Ukraine. There is a lot to be said in, a, in, a, in an environment of competition, particularly warfare, for the side of whoever is hungry. Who really wants to win and the Chinese have a chip on their shoulder and, and again we're in la la land in this nation right now we've been we have been enjoying the benefits for the last 75 to 80 years of the work that was done before us and that margin is gone I mean I've sat at the table at the White House where you're racking and stacking the nation's priorities and you got something popping off in Syria, North Korea, Venezuela, and remaining focused and strategic and long-term in a resource-constrained environment is very difficult work. And it's why we need serious leaders up there because we've enjoyed being able to just overwhelm problems with resources. I mean, even up until the 70s, we had almost half the world's economy. Now we're a fifth. So we've got to have serious leaders that understand this stuff. And I'm the only guy in my race that can actually do that. 
And it's, again, one of, one of the things I, I can't wait to get up there and do. I mean, Melissa tells me all the time, she's like, oh, my gosh, you're never going to sleep again because I'm going to wake <laughs> up at 4 a.m. just ready to roar to put our adversaries back now, on their heels. I, I'm actually a little bit disappointed in something you've said and, and a little shocked and appalled that you don't think our technical proficiency at firing off pronouns is able to beat China. <laughs> I mean, I, I figure we can just lob a few seizures and, and, and it's at them and take them out. I mean, it's uh, – it, I'll, I'll – I'll give you this. I'm sure that does confuse them. <laughs> uh, but but I will say this. I mean, I, it was my job at the White House to find unique ways to deliver dilemmas to our nation's adversaries. And I loved every minute of it. And I think all the time, and it, it makes my blood boil, Eric, who is the Latham Sadler that's working for President Xi right now? I mean, he doesn't even have to show up to work. Everything we were doing right now is completely self-inflicted a, a, as a country. And it obviously starts with the um, – the despicable example of, of leadership in the White House. And it's why what happened in Afghanistan happened. It's why what happened in Ukraine happened. I mean, I share all the time that wokeness equals weakness equals wars that we don't want. Uh, our, our adversaries only respect strength. When Reagan, it was all about peace through strength. That's how we prevailed. Under Trump, it was America first. Uh, under this crop of, of characters, they view the world the way they want it to be rather than the way it actually is. And that's a dangerous thing in national security. And to your point, they're focused on pronouns rather than competing and winning. Now, I told you that this half hour goes by fast. So we've got about five minutes before the commercial break. And uh, we've gotten through your issue. Now let's get into the other two big ones here in Georgia, agriculture and the urban-rural divide that's grown up in the state where – some people increasingly feel like if you don't live in the Atlanta or the Savannah area or a major metro area, you're going to get left behind. Yeah, uh, two two great issues. I mean, I travel across the state, Eric, and I, I meet with farmers all the time, and they're wonderful people. I mean, they love America, and they, they're part of our critical infrastructure. I mean, every single major competition or war we've had, we've outproduced our adversaries, and that's thanks to our our farmers. Uh, some of the themes I hear all the time from them is their their challenge in finding workers, and you know, one of the bigger bigger messages of my campaign is dignity, not dependency. We as conservatives seek a limited government that creates economic opportunity for the American worker and therefore provides them dignity through that work. And we're seeing the opposite of that right now to this moral hazard dependency that's been established by our government. And so we've got to get back to that. Uh, the other is China's buying up a ton of our farmland. Why is that legal? Right. To have our – I mean I've had young farmers from my generation say I'm trying to, I'm trying to start – uh, start my way as a farmer. I'm trying to buy property. The property prices have soared because we have foreign countries buying up the land and China's right there with them. I mean, it's it's absolutely crazy. So we've got to stop that. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do everything I can when I get up there to the United States Senate to shine a spotlight on that and put a stop to it. As it relates to the urban-rural divide, this really hits on one of, one of my biggest platform issues, Eric, which is we've got to bring American manufacturing back home. And especially we need to rip it out of China. I mean, I tell every board member, executive leader, if you're doing business in China right now and hedging your bets there, you're crazy. You better get out while you can. Now, every politician across the country talks about how we have to bring manufacturing home. But what I don't hear anybody talk about is who's going to build the stuff in the factories? We don't have the workers to do that right now. And so it's my goal to make Georgia the reshoring capital of American manufacturing. And the way we do that is we look at the next ridgeline. 
We need to be investing more than anybody in two-year degrees in vocational tech so that we can have the skilled workforce right here in Georgia so that as I get up there and help rip manufacturing out of China and bring it back home, I want to see Georgia have the pick of the litter as those manufacturing opportunities come home. And as you know, economic development in rural areas, it leads to more medical facilities. It leads to better education. And that's, that's what our focus needs to be, and it's one of my biggest platform items specifically for Georgia. Now, one other issue I, I don't think I can help but bring it up here is the draft opinion for the Supreme Court, Dobbs. Uh, whether or not that's the final opinion from the Supreme Court, it has certainly caused some people to react very angrily to it. I know, as you mentioned, your your brother has Down syndrome, and he, I just want to get your take on the Dobbs situation. Yeah, thank you for the question. I mean, the, the first thing that obviously needs to be pointed out is this leak is uh, it's 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 awful. It's it's going to change our highest court forever. I've been there before in the White House when you're in a classified meeting and then something gets leaked hours later. It changes the way you have to operate. It makes it really hard to do your job. So I, I, I feel for the Supreme Court and for the good staff up there. Um, as it relates to the the draft, I'm encouraged by that because what this does is it kicks the decision back to the states where it belongs. I am proud to be pro-life. I shared the womb with with somebody that has Down syndrome, as you noted. My brother is my hero. He's the most amazing human being I've ever known. Everybody that meets him feels the same way. And you have countries like Iceland that are trying to get rid of people with Down syndrome, people like my brother through abortion. So uh, look, we're, we're, this is an issue where history is going to look back on it because the science continues to advance the fact that this is a life in the womb. And so I think we need to be proud to support life, and I like that this gets kicked back to the states. We're going to take a quick time out here in just a moment. I'm joined by Lathan Sadler in the studio for, well, not a whole lot longer. We, we've been here almost an hour. Before I get out of here, i got to remind you guys, though, with the economic turmoil, in fact, uh, right now as I'm looking, the Dow is down 500 points, the NASDAQ almost down 500 points. These are economically turbulent times. And, you know, for the first time in 40 years, I feel comfortable telling you, you may want to pad some of your 401k and savings with precious metals that aren't prone to wild crashes like the stock market right now. Reach out to my friends at GoldCo. Call them 855-904-5933. You'll get a free wealth protection kit to learn how to use gold and silver to protect and grow your money. Thousands of retirees are protecting their retirement savings. Many are getting $10,000 or more in free silver for doing it. Call GoldCo. See if they're a good fit for you. They're helping thousands of Americans. Text the word ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777. I will send you GoldCo's number. That's ERIC, E-R-I-C-K. Text it to 33777. It is Eric Erickson here. Uh, Josh uh, Latham. I've been talking about all the candidates I've had. I had Josh Clark and Kelvin Cocker, Kelvin King last week. Uh, and I've got Gary Black coming next Monday. Uh, we have no – Herschel Walker has not – taken the opportunity but today i've got latham sadler and latham you've got about three four minutes to make your closing pitch and and the audience is yours right on thank you eric well as i as i said earlier i'm i'm the youngest person in this race by far i'm 39 years old but i've got the most mileage as it relates to becoming an effective united states senator there's really two things that matter in this race who can beat warnock and who can plug in day one to effectively fight for our state, the United States Senate. I cannot, I dream of getting on the debate stage with Raphael Warnock and holding him, him accountable for those bag of goods that he sold all of us. I will defeat Warnock in November as our nominee. Um, 
And then also I'm the only candidate in this race that was up in the White House under President Trump the first two and a half years, advancing the right policy agenda under the America First policy agenda. Georgia deserves to have that agenda back in Washington. Georgia deserves to have a United States senator that actually has the experience at the national level advancing those policies. I've had the blessing in my career. Uh, when you look at someone's national security experience, on one, one end of the national security spectrum, you have the execution of United States foreign policy on the ground. At the tip of that is what uh, SEALs and others do. Uh, I did that in Iraq and Afghanistan. But then on the other end of that spectrum, you have the decision-making table at the White House, which is the National Security Council. And within a 10-year span, I was at the heart of both. And I'm going to get up there and China better hope I don't get elected. And these socialists here in America better hope I don't get elected. And let me tell you the real mission of my campaign. The real mission of my campaign is not just to get elected to the United States Senate. The real mission of my campaign is to bust open the gates for other leaders in this country who are patriots and, and love this nation to, to look at my campaign and decide to run for public office and serve themselves. The biggest issue we have right now in this nation is that we obviously don't have, by and large, our best and brightest up in Washington, D.C. That's what's got to change. This country does not have a lack of leaders. It's chock full of fantastic leaders, but nobody wants to do this. I mean, Melissa and I were so close to not doing it ourselves, but that's what's got to change. And I'll share with you what I've shared with others, what my victory speech is going to be in November. It's going to be a call to service. And I'm going to say, I cannot wait to give this speech, Eric. I'm going to say, if you're a patriot and you love this country and you've ever thought about running for public office and serving your country that way, do it and do it now because your country desperately needs you. And take a look at what we just did for United States Senate for my campaign. We just proved that you don't have to sell your soul. You don't have to sell out. You don't have to kiss rings to get elected. You can be an authentic leader that has a vision for this nation and the electorate will reward that. And then, oh, by the way, with that, you have the freedom to go up to Washington, lead and then leave the way it was designed for. And that's what's got to change. And as you know, you get a good 510 real American leaders in the United States Senate, we could actually push this country back in the right direction. So I'll share with your your audience that, I mean, y'all sent me once before to, to fight for you in Iraq and Afghanistan, and it was the privilege of my life to do it. And I'm asking y'all to send me again to the next battleground in Washington, D.C., so that we can win this country back. And I, I promise you, I'm going to get up there and I'm going to fight for you every single day up there. So I'm asking for your vote. Um, you can vote Anytime between now and May 24th, and ask that you support us at our website at LathamSadler.com. Latham, listen, it's been a pleasure to have you in the studio with me this entire hour. I've been talking to Latham Sadler, candidate for the U.S. Senate, and I will be back with you guys tomorrow. Uh, mild prayer request for me, as I mentioned, my wife's got her cancer scans again in the morning, so uh, I will bring you guys the update after we have those tomorrow. See you all then. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.